0: Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.
1: It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while.
0: You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. One of my favorite things about this time of year, a lot of favorite things. Uh, I like the fall. I like uh, the start of football season. But this is now when uh, the, a lot of the colleges release those you-just-got-a-scholarship videos. And um, I've long said football is is family. And when you watch those videos and you see uh, the joy on everyone's face, uh, one of their boys whose hard work has earned them a scholarship, um, it illustrates that whole football is family thing. And the, the best parts of the whole locker room experience when you've got all these guys, all these brothers who are rooting for you and, and want you to be successful and now see that your hard work has been rewarded and they are just, you know, so happy for you. So the road as a walk-on is incredibly difficult. Uh It's definitely a hard, hard road. So I have an empathy for those Kids who choose to go about that that way, who love football so much, I'm willing to walk on someplace and then their hard work earns them a scholarship. And then the best parts of that locker room and football's family and all that is is shown to people. Um, If you want to have a little bit of a um, football reaffirming uh, life, reaffirming day or maybe an hour or just (laughs) 30 minutes. Yeah, just scroll through Twitter and and look for scholarship uh, rewarding videos. And uh, I tell you what, you'll smile. You may shed a tear or two. Um, I've seen these kids, you know, after the videos are done and their teammates celebrate, you know, the video crew follows them and somebody hands them a cell phone and they call their mom or dad and the kids are crying and the parents are crying. It's this awesome momentous moment um, that is brought out by football and all these emotions come from it because Football is family and football is emotional and all your hard work, uh, you want it to be rewarding. So, uh, I've always said football is one of the, you know, the, the best teachers of lessons out there. Um, and that this scholarship rewarding videos is just another example of that, um, of the lessons of, well, you know, we need people to help pick us up. We, 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 we like to do things, and we do things, we want to celebrate with people who are in the same space as us. So all those different things are on display during these videos. I highly recommend if you are a football fan, or a fan of football, or football culture, uh, please check them out. They're always a good, good watch. And uh, again, you will smile, but be prepared, because you may shed a tear as well. Did you shed a tear? Uh, Not today, but I have. I have. The one today um, that I saw was a player was talking to his dad. His dad was on one side of the fence. He was on the other side of the fence. And maybe it was after practice or something. And the son kind of slyly reveals to his dad that he earned a scholarship. And the dad just starts breaking down and crying. And they, he's got to reach over the fence and pick his son up. And the fence is in the way, but he's just so excited for his son. Um, you know, again, it's, it's the emotion. It's football's it's family. It's, it's what ties us all together. It's what brings us together. It's uh, a beautiful thing.
1: Are the scholarships still as relevant now with the NIL deals coming in? How does that affect the scholarship world?
0: That's an interesting question. Uh, I would say for some kids, uh, majority kids, the scholarship is majority, over majority. The scholarship is still critically important. Most kids aren't going to make enough NIL dollars to um, pay for their own scholarship. But obviously, the, if you're a quarterback at an SEC school, yeah, you're, you're making money. You know, and you could afford to maybe give up your scholarships. The team can give it to somebody else. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's still a important thing for those kids who are walking on. Um, for some of them, it may be less about the money uh, and more so about the achievement of it all. What
1: percentage of full-ride football players get their degrees?
0: Uh, it depends on the school that you go to. Some schools have an incredibly high graduation rate and others are, you know, Right around 50%. Who, who are
1: some of those schools with incredibly high graduation rate? Uh,
0: uh, offhand? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I believe the school I just uh, did this weekend, B- Baylor, is one of those schools. Okay. Um, they've got a really – they stress academics. I mean, it's a Christian university. They do things a little differently there than they do, say, at Alabama.
1: Okay. So you, you mentioned Alabama, who is the best team in the country. It yes. has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you also kind of mentioned it in a way that, like they don't really care about school. Is it possible, that, is it possible for a school to put up uh, a premium on both things, on actually getting a quality education, graduating with a degree, and also being great on the football field? Are those two mutually exclusive or can they be done at the same institution?
0: It's so difficult now because so many players want to leave after year year three. And Alabama is going to have probably more players leave after year three than most schools are because they get the most four- and five-star recruits, the guys who were most capable of doing that after just three years of college experience. So um, you're going to Alabama to play football and to try to get in the NFL. I don't think you're – if an education happens along the way, great. But you're not going to Alabama saying, yeah, I cannot wait to get my degree from here. I can't wait to go pro is what you're saying. So it's just they're bringing in a different athlete. They're they're recruiting a person with a different mindset than most other schools. And they're going to a football factory of sorts to play football. Sure. If a degree happens along the way, that's fantastic. Obviously, got to go to class and, and fulfill your NCAA requirements to be an eligible athlete. Uh, School is still part of college football. Um, But, you know, if again, if your goal is to leave after three years, how much are you pouring of yourself into that educational experience?
1: What was the experience like academically for you at CU? Was there a premium on finishing? Did your coach talk about the need to be excellent in the classroom? Your peers, did they finish school? Did you finish school? I have not. You have not.
0: So of the uh, Colorado Buffalo's national championship team, um I, I am one of the few guys who did not finish my degree I'm eight hours short of my degree okay I've re-enrolled a couple of times life has gotten in the way a number of times um I promised my mom I would do it um and you know far perfect for, for, honest for mom's getting older so I'm running out of time here to get this done first I said I would get it done before my daughter graduated my daughter's 26. And I'll get it done before my son graduated. My son's 23, he graduated last year. So uh, deadlines have come and gone. Well, what's up, man? Get on it. I don't want to do it online. I want to go back on campus. Where I want right to find a full semester where I can devote a time to drive up to Boulder a couple days a week and go back and be in class, wear my backpack, maybe ride my bike around <laughs> campus. I want to recreate my my early 20s once again. That's how I want to get my last eight hours done. What classes do you need, Chad? Upper-level sociology classes.
1: That's it. That's it. And, and you really think your life is going to get less busy? Uh, it's not. Right. So you just got to do it. You just got to sign up and go make it
0: happen, Chad. All right. Well, football season is obviously difficult. Wouldn't be the time right? to give myself best chance no, I mean, for that, success.
1: You can't enroll anyway. This is, you know, semester's started. Right. But a, so You're not going to
0: be like, hey, I'm, you know. A, a, a spring semester in the next couple of seasons, next couple of years, I am going to get this done.
1: This year, this coming year.
0: I need you
1: to make a pledge. I can't say right now, 2023
0: yeah. is going to be the year. But if I were to do, do it online, as everyone just keeps begging me to do, uh, I could get it done. I could easily get it done. But I want to have the experience that I want to have. If i want to go back to school, I'm going to go back to school. I think I'm you going should, to sit in class.
1: And you should, you should live in the dorms. I, should, I can't do, You should get a dorm room, oh, Chad. Get your lava lamp. Fire that thing up. I know you old have it the man in the dorms? No, man. I'm not doing it. I know you got the black line posters. And you can get the snakes, man. You'd be the coolest freshman ever.
0: I'm not doing it, bro. You're not going to do it? No. No. But I am going to go back and sit in class. So, I cannot do it remote.
1: Okay, so do you think the NFL and the way it's structured leaves these kids out to dry a little bit when it comes to finishing school because the combine, right, the need to prepare for the draft supersedes school. So guys leave after football season's over. They start preparing for the draft. They never go back to school. They actually leave steps from the finish line like you did. Do you think the NFL should adjust their off-season schedule to accommodate kids finishing
0: school? They should, but they won't. Uh, I've talked to several GMs who say, I want kids who are 100% focused on football. I want guys who are smart academically, but I want them to recognize this opportunity is in front of them. That school ain't going anywhere. USC is not going anywhere. Clemson's is not going anywhere. You can go get that done whenever you want to get that yeah, done. But, like but right now, you need to prepare for football. You
1: are a walking example of why that is not solid logic
0: and reasoning. You have not gone back. Right, but I understand where the GM is coming from. If your academics are so important and football, secondary, then maybe you're not the guy for me to draft. We're not even, we don't even care about OTAs anymore. We don't care about mini camps. We don't care about training camp. Why do we care about getting these kids out of there early? I can only tell you what GMs have said to me. Yes, I want really smart, well-rounded, awesome human beings who are good who in school. Who don't care about anything but football. No, who are great in school, but are willing to sacrifice school this semester so they can prepare for the draft.
1: That's the guys I want. And and you think to a man, that's what the GMs feel.
0: I can't say to a man, but uh, two GMs who I've had in-depth conversations have felt exactly that way.
1: Well, I think something's got to change because these kids leave; they don't go back; they don't get their degrees. Hello, right? Yeah, and they most of them don't. You know, (laughs) the NFL is not for long. Most players don't play for fifteen years. You know, Uh, the average career is three, three and a half years in a cloud of dust. You know, and then it's what am I going to do? And your education is going to help that. All right, uh, it's War Room time, guys. On Thursday, we got the Fan War Room coming up, preseason special. No, this is the regular season special, and it's going to be live from Brothers Barbecue, I-25 in Arapahoe. Uh, Zach By, Brandon Stuckley, Orlando, Chad Brown, and no Sean Moreno will be there from noon to 2. Be caller number 4 right now, 303-713-1043, to win a $50 gift card to Brothers Barbecue. And we'll see you at the Horror Room Thursday. All right. So we got someone who's got some strong opinions coming up next. That's James Merillat. We'll talk to him next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. We welcome in James Merillat of DenverFan.com, uh, joining us courtesy of Old Chicago Pizza and Tap Room Game Day, is that old Chicago? Typically, James joins us over the phone. But not today. He's he's right here, live and in person. What's going on, Jimmy? It's game week, right? We all got to be live
2: and in person this week. That's it just, right. It just feels different. It We've does. been talking about this, oh. it seems like, for months. Yeah. It look- it
0: went, yeah don't, not just by feel. It really did happen. Yeah. For, for months.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I know the Broncos don't play on Sunday, but still, it's it's game week. There's games that start on Thursday. Can't wait for Sunday. Turn on Sunday ticket and hear about it's, you know. Seven hours of, uh, of red zone, so it's exciting. So, yeah, live and in person today. You're a red zone guy? I am when the Broncos aren't playing. Right. For the Broncos game, it's just keep it on that channel and yell at my kids if they try and click it back to the red zone. But for just the normal Sunday, like this week when the, when the Broncos don't play till Monday, yeah, it'll be seven hours of just uh, uninterrupted
1: football. And we'll have a lot of football context going into the game Monday night. All right, that game is in Seattle. The Broncos have not shown what they have or what they are. At least they are ones. A lot of question marks going into this game. What is the biggest question mark in your mind? Well, I mean, and I was asked that, uh, you know, over the weekend. And I was like, what
2: do we know about this team? I don't think we know anything. Like, we think certain things, right? And I th- What do we think? I think they're going to be pretty good. And I think they're going to be better offensively certainly than they have been the last 6 years if you get certainly? Nathaniel Hackett and Russell certainly? Wilson you ought to be, okay. if, ought they're
0: to not, be. if they're All not if they're not
2: we have we got issues but i actually think defensively they're going to be better than they have been and and i know Vic Fangio was a defensive guru and everybody likes to talk about that but it's also a, it was also a defense from the, the jump with Vic Fangio, right? His first three games became the first team in NFL history to start a season without a sack, without forcing a turnover. Like they just were bend, but don't break death by paper cut. I think he drew defense is going to be more attacking, more aggressive, probably give up more big plays, but also force more. So I think they're going to be better defensively. I think they're, I think they're going to be a really good team. I do. I, I'm sticking with my 11 and six pick that I made five minutes into training camp, which is my tradition. Uh, I I've kinda hemmed and hawed and got a little overly excited after the the Cowboys were in town and got maybe a little bit too worried after the Bills debacle. I'm I'm sticking with eleven and six. I think that I think this is gonna be a good team.
0: Okay. Uh so it sounds like that's your optimistic outlook. Give me uh James Merlatt's worst case scenario. <laughs> worst case scenario. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, the worst case scenario is something happens to Russell Wilson, they play Brett Rippon for 13-14 games and they go 4 and 13, 3 and 14, something like that. I think if you're looking for a realistic worst case scenario, it's that this this coaching staff that is everybody for the most part it's the highest position they've had, right? First time head coach, yep. first time OC, DC, special teams coordinator that they're just in over their head and it takes them a while to kind of figure it out and there's no I hate this phrase, but there's no adult in the room so to speak and they squander opportunities, and you end up going 6-11, 7-10, and, and, and we're we're all talking about how, well, they should have won this game, this game, this game, this game, and this game, right? There's that, that litany of five or six games that came down to one possession and perhaps even one or two plays, and they all went against the Broncos because of lack of preparedness or bad coaching decisions or whatever. To me, that's worst-case scenario of, outside of a catastrophic injury to Russell Wilson. Um, because I think otherwise, I think they're going to be good. I mean, you look at their schedule. I think they're going to lose in Seattle. I'm sticking with that. But if they beat the Seahawks, it's not out realm, outside the realm of possibilities this team starts 8-0. When you start looking at the games, because it's not out of the realm, it's at the Chargers, it's at the Raiders. First time that the really the Broncos country's been able to go to Vegas for a home game and have it be really a, a normal trip. That's going to be half Broncos fans. Charger game always half uh, half Broncos fans. They get the Colts here on a short week that the that Indianapolis has to travel. They get the Jets, the Jags, the Texans. They get Trey Lance in Week Three, which I think is is beneficial. Like it really does shape up pretty good before the bye. And it better because after the buy, it is a gauntlet, so uh, I, I I think that that first game and I said this when the schedule came out, and now I hear you know, other people jumping on board, the worst possible time to play Seattles week one, because Russell Wilson's still public enemy number one up there. They're going to be coming after him. You go up there in November when they've realized, oh, this is terrible with Geno Smith and what was Pete Carroll thinking and what was John Sider thinking? Russell Wilson would return as a hero. Right now he's the guy who he's Carmelo Anthony. Right, he bailed on his city, bailed on his team, and it's going to be the toughest time to go up there because they still uh, they still have hope that'll quickly uh,
1: quickly fade. So Nathaniel Hackett is taking over for a bad football team. Vic Fangio was hired, uh, fired because he wasn't doing a good enough job. Correct. They went seven and ten. Okay, and so they replaced the coaching staff with a brand new coaching staff. Nathaniel Hackett's got zero games under his belt, but the expectation here is that he's going to take him to the playoffs. Is that a little bit unrealistic? You just talked about the worst case scenario being five and twelve or six and eleven, but isn't there an expectation that a first time head coach taking over for a bad football team? I know we got Russell Wilson, I know we got Russ, but aside from that, is there really a historical precedent for a first time head coach taking over for a bad team to be expected to make the playoffs like Nathaniel Hackett is?
2: Well, it is hard to come up with a historical precedent for a first-time head coach taking over a bad team. Like, you can go back to Matt LaFleur, and, hey, he went 13-3 and in his first year. He also had Aaron Rodgers, and it was a good team. But this is a different scenario because it's a bad football team. That's why they fired their coach. They brought in a new coach, and then they go get a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, that makes it just kind of an anomaly in and of itself to where instead of having to try to figure out, okay, who's going to be our guy, and you draft a quarterback, you try and develop him, and you go through – throws growing pains, Nathaniel Hackett has it fall in his lap and it's, you know, microwave ready. And I, I think the expectations need to be playoffs. When you have Russell Wilson as your quarterback and you trade away two, two, two ones, two twos, uh, some players, it's nine assets to go to Seattle, and he's in his 11th year, it ain't. Patience, time. It's just not.
1: It's not. Even though he's going to play for ten more years, even though he's in it for the long haul, even though there's a new ownership group, a new head coach, new OC, new DC, new ST.
2: No, I, I, I feel like it's rocky too. There is no tomorrow. I'm tired of being patient. It's just it's time to win now. And people want to compare it to 2012 with Peyton Manning, but there's two big differences. One. Peyton Manning was coming off of missing the entire season before he hadn't played football in almost two calendar years, coming off four neck surgeries. That's not the case with Russell Wilson. And if you look at that two and three start for the Broncos that year, they lost to a Texans team that went twelve and four. They lost at Atlanta. They started eight and zero. They were the last undefeated team that that year, and they lost at New England to the Patriots. So, so that's not playing the Texans, the Seahawks. You know the, the Trey Lance and the Niners in here. If this team starts two and three. It will be panic time. If they start 0-1, it will be panic time. I mean, you guys will see it on the text line. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you what it's going to be. Expectations are high. Expectations should be high. I am tired of pumping the brakes. Let's just head downhill and not worry about the runaway truck ramp. All
0: right, so you uh, have a voice, and your voice gets to, in some ways, set expectations. So you just have thrown out the 8-0 possibility. Yeah. And in that 8-0 stretch of games... There's there's San Francisco, Las Vegas, Indy and the Chargers. Back to back to back to back. Yep. So all four of those in a row. And somewhere in the midst of that, you're saying expectations are high, but they could go eight-no. That's a gauntlet of games. It so, is. So so marry up the reality and the expectations with the eight-no statement. Considering that four game stretch right there,
2: well, my my realistic prediction, and I'm I think they're going to go eleven and six. They have to be eight and three heading into their last six games, so that's where they're going to be after they get a win at Carolina, before Baltimore, Casey, Arizona, the Rams, Kansas City again, and the Chargers. I don't think they're going to start eight and zero. But if you go through them, it's Trey Lance in his, and I know he played some last year, but essentially his third start Sunday Night Football in Denver. That's a tough situation for a young quarterback. Again, it's at Vegas. That's going to be – That, that place team is going was to be
0: half almost in the Super Bowl last year. You are aware of that. Vegas? No. Niners.
2: The Niners. Oh, yeah, I get it. But they're also making the switch to Trey Lance. So, so I so, think So that's, Kyle
0: Shanahan's like, you know what? We were almost in the Super Bowl, but I'm going to go with a lesser quarterback because that well, gives me
2: a better chance to win. They are for now. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. If you play him in week 10, it might be Jimmy Garoppolo. I would be more worried about that game, much more worried about it if it was Jimmy G. Going to be half Broncos fans in Vegas. Indianapolis, if that game uh, was on a Sunday. But so like the fans in the stands doesn't
0: determine <laughs> right. what's going on on the
2: field. Sure it does. It's, what? It's what? 100%. There, there's no
0: home field there's, advantage at all. The, there, the, Steelers, there's, there's, the Steelers would the never Broncos, lose a game. The Steelers travel; their fans everywhere not they saying go. I'm It
2: guarantees a win. I'm just saying it makes it an easier road game than if it was if you were but going, that can't going be to the Kansas reason, City. In,
1: that can't be your reason well, why they it's,
2: win. It's the reason why I look at it. I think the Broncos are every bit as talented as Vegas. The the advantage the Raiders have on in Week Four is it's, it's a, on paper is it's in Vegas. I think that's neutralized. That, that's an the
0: advantage the fact. for the Broncos. You,
2: that would normally be the advantage for the Raiders, but I think it's neutralized because the Broncos' fans will travel well. Same thing with the Chargers two weeks later. And if that Colts game was on a Sunday here, I would pick Indy. But traveling in a short week and having to play on the road on a Thursday night is a tough assignment. That gives the Broncos a distinct advantage in that game. In every single game, there's in those first eight there is something that makes it less I like, less how, I like, I like than
0: how your advantages have nothing to do with what's happening on the field. Look at, <laughs>
2: you, can look at the, you can look at the history of teams traveling on a Thursday night. There's going to be it a lot of good. Bronco
0: fans in the stands. So, therefore, it's just cracking me. I love it.
2: It ain't it ain't good for teams that have to travel on Thursday night. It's just not. So, you know, again, I think that that definitely helps the Broncos. Again, I'm not picking them to go 8-0, oh, but you can go through each game and say, all right, I don't think that's as difficult as some people think. Now, one or two of them will inevitably bite them. They're probably going to go six and two before the bye. I don't think going to to London to play the Jags is ideal. I'd honestly rather play them in in Jacksonville because London's such a weird trip for the Broncos to try and put in. And how do you you know? It's it's just odd. It's different from your routine, and you guys know better than anybody. It's all about routine, so that's not ideal. But it's still it's the Jags.
1: All right, real quick uh, because we're almost out of time, James. But you mentioned the worst case scenario. 5-12, 6-11. Yeah. Five and twelve, six and eleven. Yeah. If that occurs, does Nathaniel Hackett, if you're George Payton, keep his job? Yeah, but there will be
2: changes. If something will happen. It'll be, hey, we need to bring in an experienced, you know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Something, something will change. If they go five and twelve, six and eleven, and it's not because Russell Wilson got hurt, they're going to have to change something. You don't just say, let's just run it back. Let's just give everybody a mulligan and try it again in 2023. Something will change. I don't think it would be as drastic as Nathaniel Hackett losing his job. But, hey, if, if you looked at that and said they were 5-12, and 12 and with a head coach who knew what he was doing, they would have won 10-11 games, maybe, maybe. But, again, that's worst-case scenario. I don't see that happening. This team's going to go 11-6. and six. They're going to make the playoffs. It's going to come down to one of those last six games. It's the Chiefs twice. It's the Chargers. They'll be in the AFC West race until the end.
0: All right, j- go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 you. Just to give some uh, stats behind your assertion there, the home team, this is a 2020 article, by the way, so it's not that the last uh, season wasn't included in this. Uh, The home team normally wins 57.1% of the time. There you go. On Thursday night. 57.9%. Fifty-seven point nine percent. It's an advantage. Yeah, <laughs> see,
1: huge. Told you. <laughs> that's going to turn the
2: table. I love. I love when numbers. You know, you know, if you if you want to dissect it, it's maybe not a huge advantage. But I'll take the advantage. It is an
0: advantage to your <laughs> point. It is, a, 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 and Thursday night, the advantage does become eight tenths of a point greater. Uh, so I guess there's a yes in there for you, but it's not decidedly uh, a ma- massive factor. Okay, um, this Broncos coaching staff. Um, You talked about all the uh, first-timers at it. Who of the first-time coaches you think will struggle the most?
2: Hmm. Well, I wouldn't have said this heading into preseason because I'm a huge Dwayne Stukes fan. I just like listening to him talk. I think he's great at the podium. I love his attitude and the way he, you know, he's the kind of coach he's like, man, I'd like to play for that guy. But in the preseason, they had some of the same just – mental mistakes that we've seen from the special teams in the last few years, right? The long snapper field and the punt at the six and just jogging into the end zone with it. Um, Jalen Virgil trying to field the ball in the end zone and it bounces out of bounds at the two. I get it. He's just trying to make a play, but I, I think that he has the biggest mess to clean up. So I think he's going to probably struggle the most, not because he's not a good coach, but he's just got the uh,
1: the biggest blank show to deal with. Good stuff, James. Good to see you in person. Likewise. Yeah, come back and visit us next time you're on. Just come in and see us. Uh, We'll make it the norm. It was fun. All right, man. Thanks, James. See you, fellas. That was James Merrill out of DenverFan.com, courtesy of Old Chicago Pizza and Tap Room. Game day is at Old Chicago. All right, lots more to break down on this matchup coming up Monday. Uh, Any major concerns where the team currently sits going into Monday night's game? We'll get into that next. For Sports Station 104.3, the band presents Chad and Nate. See, that's how Billy Ocean does it. He just moves anyone aside who's in his way. Once once you press play on Billy Ocean, man, it's just, it takes over. It's good to hear him. This is day 189, Chad, of the Billy Ocean campaign. We've been away from Billy-O for a while, but he's back. Number 89. Mike Ditka? Mike Ditka. Gino Marchetti. Steve Smith. Mark bravaro Bavaro, Wes Chandler. Dwayne Carswell. Jericho Cotri. Okay. That's a good name. That's a fun name. Oh, was truly, I, I was 89 for a couple of years. I think I was the only Denver Bronco in the
0: history of the Denver Broncos to wear three different numbers. Which was your favorite and which one did you have the most success in? Uh, probably 81.
1: 81 was when I was like really a tight end. My first, my two years as 89, I wasn't, I was trying to transition to being a tight end. I was, I was banged up. I had like this hamstring that was just, I could not figure it out all year long. I was a shadow of my former self. I sucked at blocking, you know, couldn't get on the field. That first year as 89, I didn't really suit up very often. I was one of those eight inactive guys for most of the games that season. So it was, um, when Daniel Graham came to town. From the New England Patriots. He was 89 in New England, and he wanted to be 89 here, and 81 was available, so I sold him 89. And as as players are want to do in the NFL, when a guy wants your jersey, you sell it to him, right? Right. Yeah, so got 15 Gs out of that. Nice. And uh, that money is uh, definitely gone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so your experience uh, with the hamstring and learning how to block— uh, what do, what do you think's going on with Greg Dulcich right now with the hamstring? Learning how to block, man.
1: I'll tell you what. It doesn't. If if my experience is in any way going to mirror Greg Dulcich's experience, he's going to have a rough year. It's just it never got it never got better for me. It was I felt it all year long. And when you're a guy who does rely on his speed as a, as a tight end, you're not you know and you're not a bruiser. I want to be able to take the top off. I want to be able to show what I can do in the passing game, and I can't do that. And the only thing I can do is just, you know, try to block, and I'm not very good at that either. It's, just, it's, a, it's a, It was a really difficult year, it was, but it was a really good learning experience for me because I had to go out there and practice every day and do it against our ones and, and um, you know, take their best shot on a daily basis, work on the technique, but incredibly frustrating, you know, from a, from a personal standpoint because I wasn't on the field on game day. You know, I'm doing all this stuff in practice, but I can't get out there with my guys. And and that was that was very deflating.
0: So, the, uh, I, you know, luckily for me, you know, I, I can still do the split. So muscle, hamstrings, groins, you know, never really ever affected my career, ever. But I was flexible. It wasn't that I
1: wasn't a flexible person and no. I got uh, those injuries. I mean, I was stretching constantly. I could pretty much do the split. It was something, I don't know, It was a, it was a training camp play. I was running a deep cross. Ian Gold was behind me. I got it. I got out in front of him, and he yanked my jersey. Oh. And I felt it yank right, right up high, up in that butt bone. Mm-hmm. And the trainers could never figure it out, and I could never get to it. I mean, as much rehab as I did, as much, you know, strength and conditioning and stretching and ice and heat and massage and all that, it just never got to the problem. And it took the whole next off season of rest before I actually felt good.
0: Okay, so was it that was an issue? When you are on a full speed, when you were blocking, just trying to, uh, un, you know.
1: Blocking, you don't really, you know, you're not getting at the top speed. So it was right. really the route running, you know, okay. trying to get into that basically from the second to the third gear and the mm-hmm. third to the fourth. But when you're just moving around the line of scrimmage, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a problem for me, but, but my strength was gone. Right. You know, and so now the, I have to rely on my weakness and, and that was, that was the learning part.
0: Okay. So for Greg Dulcich, who's. You know, this rookie year was going to be about his ability to run fast as a tight end. It wasn't going to be right. about nifty, crafty route running. It wasn't going to be about, oh, man, he's such a great in-line the blocker. Yep. It was going to be about his speed. Absolutely. And now with Coach Hackett, you know, treating the hamstring I mean, with baby gloves, because according to his dad, you give those guys all the time they need, and then you give them one more week. Right. That's how, how Coach Hackett views hamstrings to make sure yep. those guys are able to come back and be full participants. Um for a guy who relies on the speed, that seems like it's going to continue to be an ongoing issue.
1: Yeah, it is. And so, so at what point do you just kind of accept that maybe this season is going to be lost for him? You know, And you don't rush him back. Do you put him on IR? Do you just let him step away from the field and the expectation to get back on it? Because when you are watching everybody else go out there and play and get out on the field, the temptation is to push yourself back out there. And even a week isn't going to be the difference. Greg Dulcich wasn't even ready for day one of training camp. This was an injury he had in the off season, and he, right. he wasn't even ready for day one. You know, so there's something to me. There's probably something real deep up there in the attachment, up there on the butt bone that he can't figure out. And uh, you know, it's usually not the belly of the hamstring that bothers you for three to four to five months. It's those at the attachment um on the bone. Um, so hopefully he gets he gets it going. Okay, so hey, look, we killed that whole segment. Killed it. We, we had something else we were going to talk about, but we didn't. We got one more crack at this thing, and I want to ask you, are there any concerns going in to this Monday night matchup with the Seattle Seahawks? Where do the Broncos stand? What do we got to figure out? We're going to do that next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well I'll let you guys know it is King Supers fan football pick 'em time. Again, get registered for your chance to win free groceries for a year before Thursday's kickoff. Sign up at Denverfan dot com slash picks. Go head to head all season long with a fan host. All right, Chad, um earlier you were talking about Sun Tzu, right? Yes. A- and how some of Russell Wilson's uh things that he said kind of are Sun Tzuish. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play a game here called Russell Wilson or Sun Tzu. <laughs> I dig it. I'm going to read you a quote and you got to tell me if it's Russell Wilson or Sun Tzu saying it. Okay? okay. Quickness is the essence of war. Sun Tzu. Ding, 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 ding. <clears throat> um, okay, let's see here. I wasn't really prepared for this segment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're
1: just going to do one. We're just going to do one. All okay, right. Okay,
0: we'll just, we'll just do, we'll tease the segment. Test it out right now, okay?
1: Um, While well, I look for some, because Russell Wilson's um, presser is, uh, is transcribed. Right. Super duper long. I need to go and pick out the Sun Tzu worthy quotes. Right. Um, but um, they do speak very, very similarly. I will agree with that. <laughs> Believe that. And one would assume Sun Tzu was probably pretty good at competition. So maybe, uh, so maybe he's on something following those words. I feel like you probably have a, the Art of War somewhere. Oh, I have several copies. Yeah, it's um, well, several
0: copies. Several copies. In case you lose one. Uh, well, I you know I didn't always bring it with me whenever I played, so it was always nice to have in the in my you know little uh, bookcase, and you know, where I, no matter where I was living at the time. And it's you know it's an affordable book. You can buy it super cheap uh, used on, on Amazon. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a big purchase.
1: Were you reading books while you were playing? All the time, like uh, on trips and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. It were, would. Were guys like, "What are
0: those?" It, I I'd would be blown away. by teammates would. You know, we're leaving from Seattle. And we're going to play the Jets. We're gonna be in the plane for the next five and a half hours, and all you brought was a he- a pair of headphones, and an iPod. Yeah, nothing to read Just seriously. Scary you get freaked out on the flights when the people
1: are just sitting there next? Not even in headphones, just sitting there?
0: And just sitting there staring at the the seat back in front of them?
1: Yeah. Do those people scare you?
0: They do. How does your mind allow that to happen? How can you not occupy your mind with something? Um, Yeah, books, magazines, there's there's some knowledge to be learned. I got five hours to learn something. Let me learn something, please.
1: What if you just got a lot of dots to connect in your mind? You know, just processing
0: everything you've been through. That's good for people, I suppose. Um, I need a little bit more preoccupation.
1: So September football is upon us, Chad. Yes. This is game week. Uh-huh. Okay, this is Tuesday, so it's everyone's day off in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. So tomorrow, the Broncos report back. We'll have their Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday routine, probably travel on Sunday, right? And then they play Monday. There's a lot of question marks with this team. We've been talking about it all off season because that's what we do. We're basing it on what we have seen in the past, our experience of what it takes to win football games and prepare for a football season, and these Broncos under Nathan Hackett, Nathan Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett, have been doing things a little differently. Um, And he has alluded to the fact that, look, man, September football, is it's changed. It's not what it used to be. Okay, we don't necessarily have to hit the ground running. Sure, we'd like to win right off the bat, but we want these guys healthy at the back end of the season. Our number one priority, Chad, is health. Mm Mm-hmm. But when you look at the historical precedent of teams that make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl, they do get off to a hot start. You look at the Packers over the last three years, as Nathaniel Hackett's coached them, 2019 they started off 3-1, and and they were 7-1 before they lost the game. 2020 they started off 4-0. and Last year they lost the opening game September 12th, but then didn't lose again until November 7th. And when you're talking about, something closer to home, your opponent as a Denver Bronco, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs are still the kings of this division. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, they lost Tyreek Hill. Yes, they lost Charvarius Ward. Yes, they lost Tyron Matthew. But they also gained some pieces. And they have the nucleus in place that's going to make them a formidable team. Last year, they started off 2-2. Two and two. They were 3-3. Three and three. And they lost to make it three and four. Then they went on a ten and one run to end the season. They had to rely on that run at the end of the season. The previous year, twenty twenty, they started off four and zero. Same with twenty nineteen, four and zero. So, is it important for the
0: Broncos to get off to a hot start? I think you want to. I can't. Why would you want to get off to a slow start? Why would you want to, you know, stumble out of the gates? Because by the time you get yourself up to speed, other teams are further ahead now. Now I know it's a longer season, seventeen games, so it's a more of a marathon than a sprint, as the phrasing goes, as the cliche goes. But I can't. I, there's no benefit to a slow start, none whatsoever. Um, so I think your overall question was where's where where do I have questions about this team? I got questions everywhere. I have yet to see the first team offense and first team defense perform against uh, an opponent in an extended way outside of a uh, joint practice against the Cowboys.
1: Does that give the Broncos an advantage against the Seahawks? The the unknown? There's the
0: advantage. The surprise? We don't even know what these guys are going to do. How do we game plan for them? There's there's the advantage of the surprise. Uh, The uh, Seahawks defensive coaches have had to watch Seattle tape to look at Russell Wilson, and they've had to watch Packers tape to get an idea of Nathaniel Hackett and the plays he wants to call. Um, So, yeah, there's an unknown there for sure. But it, that unknown is, you know, on the other side of that coin is the lack of rhythm, continuity, and possibly execution that can come from not getting any preseason work in with this unit. So, um, yeah, I got lots of questions. Uh, I got questions at cornerback depth. I got questions at inside linebacker depth. I got questions at tight end. I've got uh, hitting the ground running questions. I've got, I've got game plan questions. If it's all about Russ letting Russ cook, well, and you and this is your plan to let Russ cook. A three hundred yard passer wins you sixty percent of your games. A one hundred yard rusher wins you seventy three percent of your games. Ooh, nice so, stat. So, you know, if, if it's all about letting Russ cook and you ignore the hundred yard rushing, then that's low that's lower percentage football, as the facts tell it. It's not Chad guessing and saying this. The facts say that. So more than important than a 300 yard passer or a 100 yard receiver is a hundred yard rusher. So uh, don't lose track of that while you're trying to be you know Nathaniel Hackett and the offensive genius and this and that and the other. sometimes old school football and hand the ball off to the running back, controlling the clock, pounding, pounding the opponent and playing some good defense. Pete Carroll's kind of philosophy is what wins a majority of football games in the end.
1: If you had to pick one of the Broncos running backs to top 100 yards in this opening game, who's it going to be?
0: I'm going to go with Javante uh, just because he's more physical of a runner. He breaks more tackles. So in week one, we know tackling is going to be an issue for everybody around the league, regardless of how much time you put in in the preseason. Maybe the Steelers may hit the ground running because they did every pad of practice. But outside of... Isolated circumstances like that, there's going to be teams, majority of teams are going to struggle tackling in week one. So to have the guy who led the NCAA and the NFL in tackles, uh, and broken tackles, yeah, I think Javante Williams has the greatest possibility of being a 100-yard rusher. We
1: all know that there's a lot of uh, emotional context going into this game. Russell Wilson is returning to Seattle, uh, the place that he played for a decade, brought him a Super Bowl victory, brought him another Super Bowl appearance, was beloved in Seattle and left under auspicious conditions. And now, well, there's, there's going to be fired up fans. There's a fired up team and coaching staff ready to stick it to you. Nathaniel Hackett's aware of the energy and the emotion around this game. My question is, how far into the psychology would you want to tap in as far as Russell Wilson to try to create a game plan to defeat these guys? Or do you want to just treat it like another game? Because nobody knows more about Pete Carroll, about all the players on that team, about the psychology of that team, about every swinging Richard over there than Russell Wilson. So do you collaborate with him on how to get to each of these people, essentially how to break them down? Or do you let Russell do his normal preparation stuff and prepare a normal game plan to just go and win a normal football
0: game? I think you gather as much intel as you can, um, but at the same time, once you gather gathered the intel, then you do what you do. Uh, I'm sure there's a Sun Tzu quote that says, "You know the well. This is the one: the battle is won or lost before it's ever fought." Um, and so even the th- finest sword plunged into salt water will eventually rust. There you go. Okay, but <laughs> the, the the thinking of um. somehow we're going to be able to predict Pete Carroll's mind. No, I think you've got way, way more fish to fry, particularly early in the season uh, for Nathaniel Hackett and his staff to be trying to guess what the other sideline is doing. Do what you do. Try to find a way to do that at a high level. You guys have yet to do it together at all anyway. So if you're going to split your mind up and try to predict them and, and get too far into their heads, then you're leaving – the most important thoughts behind is we need to do what we do. We need to focus on ourselves, call our game, do our game plan. That's what's going to give us best chance for success.
1: The whole secret lies in confusing the enemy so that he cannot fathom our real intent. Mm. And, hey, build your opponent a golden bridge to retreat across. <laughs> and that's what these Broncos are doing right now. Hey, um, I, I forgot to mention the war room. It's the season preview special. Orlando, Chad, yourself, you're going to be there. No, Sean, join Stoke and Zach Brothers Barbecue on Thursday, 12 to 2. Go check them out. That's it for us on a Tuesday game week. Stokely and Zach, they're next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.